people might people who are excited for Joe or even mildly ex excited or, or kind of indifferent just because Joe Biden spends a lot of money doesn't mean they'll make it out to the polls. And some people might even get so complacent that they don't go out to the polls. They think, oh, Joe Biden raised all this money or Joe Biden is is leading in polling. So it doesn't matter if I go and vote when the reality is in some of these swing states and some of these battleground states, it matters a heck of a lot if people vote. Hillary Clinton came very, very close. To, to winning swing states that, that she she lost, devastatingly lost in, for her. And those votes, you know, getting rid of the hubris, visiting a Wisconsin, spending more time in a Michigan, you know, that could have made a huge, huge difference for the, the number of votes that she got that really led to, you know, it could have, it could have changed the map if more time had been spent there and if, if the campaign hadn't been hubristic. So I'm seeing a lot of that happening with Joe Biden and his supporters. So they have all of this money now. Everyone's excited about that. That's on the Joe Biden camp, but that doesn't equal winning. Let's dive into some of the polling here. Uh, that's the same tweet. So 538, say what you will about Nate Silver, and I have a lot of opinions about Nate Silver, but they do do a good job of aggregating polls. So who's ahead in the national polls? Of course, as we know, it is Joe Biden. So the, uh, you know, the, the accumulation of polls, he is up 7.4 points with Biden at 50.3% and Trump at 42.9%. So if you look at all of the polls, and these are the most recent, you can see that YouGov has Biden up by 11 and, and on and on. Other polls have him at, at different positions. Some of these polls are very, very close to being within the margin of error. And that's something that's important to pay attention to, you know, just because a poll says, this, you know, Biden at this number, Trump at this number, there's still a margin of error to to take into account. And they are different for each study or different for each poll. So it's extremely important to not take these polls at face value. Not only that, but nationwide polling in general doesn't really matter for our country. Our country is ridiculous. We have the Electoral College. Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. She she won the popular vote. She got more votes than Donald Trump. There's no disputing that at all. And if our country wasn't so backwards and stuck in this electoral college system, she would be president right now. But she's not because we have the electoral college. We have these swing states. We have these battleground states that really, really, really matter because of our system. So people can get complacent or happy or however they're feeling on, on the Biden side. But the national polling means next to nothing. Not only are we so far out of away from the election still that none of the polls tell us anything, really, when you, when you consider how far away we are and anything can happen. Um, you know, one of the candidates could fall ill. One of the candidates could do something even more ridiculous than they're already doing. Uh, a disaster could happen. There's anything could happen. They're talking now about Donald Trump trying to get this vaccine, this, this COVID vaccine out in early November, <laughs> you know, so anything could happen to change the, to change the polling and to change people's actual votes, to motivate people to go out to vote or to convince them that it doesn't matter and to stay home. So I don't give much weight to polling in general. I certainly don't give much weight to nationwide polling for uh, the presidential election.
it can give us kind of a sense of, of the direction things are headed in. It can give us some information. You know, the more information we have, the better, certainly. But it is not something to hang your hat on at all. So that's that's the scary thing that a lot of people are doing is like, oh, you know, Joe Biden, Joe Biden's way ahead. So none of this matters. So talking about the battleground states, I mentioned um, Wisconsin, a lot of pundits and and polling experts are, are thinking that Pennsylvania and Florida and especially Florida are going to matter a lot come November. So Biden you you remember some of those polls had him up 11 points or 10 points or whatever nationwide uh, the average was was seven something nationwide but when you look at this breakdown of the battleground states the states that actually matter when it comes to the um electoral college it is not looking good the spread for battlegrounds overall is only biden uh plus 2.5 that's not good. In a lot of polls, that is within the margin of error. Sometimes the margin of error is four points. Sometimes it's five points. Sometimes it's three points. So you can't, you just can't declare a victory for Biden at all at this point. You see here a uh, Wisconsin, Biden um, up by 3.5. North Carolina, Trump up by one. Florida, Biden up by 3.7. Pennsylvania, Biden up by 4.2. Michigan, Biden up by 2.6. Arizona, Biden up by 2.2. I don't know about you guys, but as someone who wants to see Donald Trump defeated, the, I, those numbers terrify me. Again, we have a lot of time between now and election day, but if Biden is supposed, you know, the Democrats pushed Biden on us. They coalesced around Biden, Everyone dropped out, coalesced around Biden. Obama was pulling strings in the background. The Democratic establishment was pulling strings in the background. I'm not saying they rigged the voting machines. I know some people believe that. I don't have evidence for that. But they did manipulate the conditions that people had available to vote in. They made it so that there was, was no choice. They didn't give us a true choice. This was not democratically done by any stretch of the imagination. And once Bernie dropped out, that was it. The Democratic Party, the Democratic establishment had made the choice for us. Why did they make this choice for us? Well, obviously it has to do with, with their pocketbooks. It has to do with how much money they want to make. They don't want a Bernie Sanders in there ruining their money-making schemes. They don't want Bernie Sanders in there making a difference for the people. They want Joe Biden in there. And Joe Biden, or so they told the people, was the most electable. He was the safest. If this is the safest candidate that the Democrats could put forward, then the Democrats need to take a very, very long look inward. The Democrats, which they will never do, need to really assess themselves and their strategy and what they are doing. I don't care if you are a diehard Biden supporter, if you truly think or thought that he was the safest, that he was the best, that he had the best policies. I don't I don't care. I don't care if you're the most corporate or most establishment of Democratic voters. You need to take a long, hard look at what is happening right now. This, if, if defeating Donald Trump is the number one most important thing on your mind, you've screwed it up. 
you've screwed it up because Biden, in my opinion, will not win. I think Donald Trump is, is on the path to another victory. Things are way too close and getting closer. Biden is, is falling in some of these battleground states. It's not looking good. And that's scary. Donald Trump is a scary, scary person. Yeah, Biden, I think, is in cognitive decline. I don't like Biden's policies. I, I think Biden has done really scummy things and really creepy things. And uh, he's, no, he's not my candidate, that's for darn sure. But I don't feel like our country is at stake. Um, you know, he's not, he's not talking about the next 12 years like Donald Trump is. I'm, I'm terrified that, that Donald Trump will win again. And looking at this polling, everybody who cares about our, well, we don't really have a democracy, but our, um, our facade of democracy should be absolutely shaking in their boots right now. And that's the problem with the Democrats who are in the elite class, who, um, who make their money from political consulting or who are comfortable, you know, comfortable white people living in the suburbs or whatever, who, who, uh, it's the hubris. It's the thinking like, we're the smartest, we're the best. We know what's best for the people. Everyone needs to do what we're doing. We have this in the bag. Um, clearly Donald Trump is bad. So people are not going to vote for him. It's the hubris needs to go. It's the polls are showing you that you don't have it in the bag right now. The polls are showing you that something needs to happen. Joe Biden needs to change his strategy. Joe Biden needs to listen. The campaign needs to listen. Very, very scary. And also, let's see here, one second. Also, this went viral today. So uh, speaking of the Electoral College, this is Nate Silver, of course, everybody's favorite failed <laughs> pollster or uh, poll analyst. Um, chance of a Biden electoral college win if he wins the popular vote by X points. So this is I, I find, you know, my brain just doesn't work like this. So I, I had to really stare at this for a while. You you probably get it right away. So if Biden is up by zero to one point, the chance of Biden winning is only 6%. So if Biden wins the popular vote by one point, he only has a 6% chance of winning due to the Electoral College. That is horrifying, absolutely horrifying. If Biden is up between one and two points, there's a 22% chance of him winning. If he's up by two to three points, 46% chance of him winning. He doesn't get over a 50% chance of winning until he's three to four points in the popular vote ahead of Donald Trump. Then it jumps up to a 74% chance of him winning the Electoral College. Nate Silver goes on to, oh, and, and uh, Kyle Kalinske pointed this out, nice system. If Biden wins the popular vote by 1%, he has just a 6% chance of winning the Electoral College. Nate Silver follows up by saying, you'll sometimes see people say stuff like, Biden must win the popular vote by three points or he's toast. Not true. At two to three points, the Electoral College is a toss up, not necessarily a Trump win. And Jordan, I completely agree with Jordan. I do not understand the people who, people fussed at him underneath his tweet, but Jordan said, 
How is Biden winning the popular vote by two to three points in electoral college toss up if Hillary Clinton won the popular vote by two points, uh, 48.0 to 45.9 and got shellacked in the electoral college? I can I have the same exact question. Maybe you guys have some comments in the chat about this. Maybe you have some insight to share. Go ahead and talk about that in the form of a super chat would be awesome. <laughs> um, but I don't agree, like the framing that Nate Silver here has of saying that it's a toss up if Biden is up by two to three points. I don't consider, I mean, 46% is, is close to 50%, but I don't consider that a, a toss up. I think that's very, very generous language. So um, I, I find this really interesting. All of Twitter was, it seemed, was talking about this today. And I, I think it goes to show you that our country is really, really screwed up. Our country is not a democracy. The Electoral College makes no sense at all, and it's probably going to get worse and worse and worse. So we had a win for progressives that people were, were of course, very, very excited about. And I am, of course, talking about Ed Markey. So yesterday in Massachusetts, they had their primary elections, and Ed Markey defeated Joe Kennedy um, 55.4% to 44.6%. So in, in past polling, you know, it looked like Kennedy might win and Markey was, was kind of holding on there. But what we'll, what we'll see and what we'll talk about is Ed Markey really, he really had young people come out for him. He had his move, like possibly the move where he hooked up with AOC and, and got in on the Green New Deal, that was potentially the best thing that he could have done for this race and to defeat Kennedy. Just he really had the support of young people, of progressives, even though, you know, no one's saying that Ed Markey has always been a progressive. He's he's certainly a Democrat. But that doesn't make one a progressive. So and he's he does accept uh, has accepted uh, corporate cash. So, you know, he's, Jordan actually sent me a tweet earlier today, I think from Claire Sandberg. Uh, and the gist of that tweet was, you know, people talk about Bernie Sanders supporters and progressives as having this kind of purity test. But if we truly had a purity test, if it weren't about the policies, which it is about the policies, and that's the whole point, then people, progressives wouldn't have supported Ed Markey. So it's not about purity. It is about policy. And when people get on us for not supporting the corporatist Democrats or the moderate Democrats or even the center right Democrats, um, it's not a purity test. It is a policy test for sure. And Ed Markey's win um, kind of defines that. And he has been embracing the young people and progressive policies. And, and I do think that politicians can change and do better. And it seems like Markey is on that path. The other race that we will talk about is the Congressional um, District 1 race in Massachusetts. So it was between Richard Neal and Alex Morse. Alex Morse, of course, being the mayor of Holyoke, who was disgustingly smeared with homophobic smears and an attempted takedown that appears to have worked so that he wouldn't win this race. Uh, Neil, of course, the centrist Democratic incumbent. So first we'll talk about Markey. 
Marky's win. Oh, I had to show this because it's so ridiculous. Nate Silver. So after Marky's win, Nate Silver tweeted this. Wow, it's almost like 97% of incumbents win re-election to Congress or something. These people, they, they can't simply like let a progressive have a win. They have to be snarky and mean and, and bad. Nate Silver, go away. I, I just had to, had to get that in for you guys. So uh, in Jacobin, Luke Savage wrote a great article about Ed Markey's win, and I will not read the whole thing to you. Ed Markey's victory over Joe Kennedy III was far from inevitable. Uh, and this is a lot of what I was just talking about, that it's, um, it wasn't inevitable that, that Markey would win. And he made some really good steps that other, other Democrats need to, to look at. If you take a look at Cori Bush's win and um, Ilhan Omar holding her seat and Rashida Tlaib holding her seat and AOC holding her seat, um, Jamal Bowman, if you look at these good progressive wins, the writing is on the wall. Uh, Democrats need to pay attention to progressives and the policies that progressives want to push. They need to understand that this is where the party is headed. What they are holding on to is not the way forward. It's not the future of the party. We, as progressives, are the future of the party. So a lot can be learned from Markey. Oh, and so Luke Savage put in that, that same Nate Silver tweet that I just pointed out. Um, so let's see. So I just wanted to point out, polling since last summer frequently suggested Kennedy would win. A survey conducted just after Labor Day 2019 found him ahead by 14 points, the incumbent trailing in most polls until just a few months ago. As recently as May, Emerson College found Kennedy leading by a margin of 16. And while we don't yet have a complete picture of fundraising throughout the race, we do know that Kennedy brought in more money in its early stage, eclipsing Markey's total in the final quarter of 2019 by a million dollars. Kennedy's edge, quite atypical of a Senate primary challenge, owed itself in large part to big endorsements from within the Democratic Party. Though House leader Nancy Pelosi's late in the game nod deservedly received the most attention. The bid to take down Ed Markey also got a blessing from the late John Lewis, House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer, uh, Joaquin Castro, Beto O'Rourke, and more than two dozen House Democrats. And speaking of the point I just made, that that Democrats, if they really want to win, need to read the writing on the wall and and note that the the um, the ideas and policies that Bernie Sanders has put forward, that AOC has embraced, that that the squad has embraced, that, that Cori Bush has embraced, that is the future. And so you have Nancy Pelosi, who threw her weight behind Joe Kennedy, and for God knows what reason, Beto O'Rourke, like who cares who Beto is endorsing? Anyway, Nancy Pelosi, that was a major loss for her yesterday. The fact that her hand-picked candidate uh, that she threw her weight behind, did not win, should send shockwaves through the establishment Democrats. It won't, of course. Like, they won't pay any attention to it, but they should if they want to win. The challenge once appeared so certain to succeed that there was a briefly speculation that Markey might commit political seppuku and retire by his own hand to avert humiliation. So how did Markey win? There's no denying that he did enjoy certain advantages of incumbency, counting plenty of centrist Democrats and local allies among his endorsements. But those alone would not have been enough to defeat Kennedy. 
Markey's remarkable comeback was instead made possible by his eager embrace of the progressive left and willingness to champion its values and agenda, a strategy that expanded his coalition and brought in voters under 30 by a stunning margin. Having helped introduce the most politically transformative piece of environmental legislation in American history, Markey earned the backing of Sunrise Movement and its house sponsor, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Producing campaign ads uh, like this one, which he links to, uh, which includes references to revolution, his union background, and images from the Black Lives Matter protests, he staked out clear ground as a progressive figure. Thus, a traditionally conventional Democratic incumbent became an unlikely hero of young voters who desire sweeping change, a fact made all too clear by the tenor of his victory speech. So I completely agree with, with Luke. Um, this article's great. Again, Luke Savage out of Jacobin, if you want to check that article out. But uh, again, just to reiterate, the reason that Ed Markey won isn't because he was always this progressive hero. It, it wasn't, you know, he wasn't the worst, certainly, but he has embraced the policies of the true left. He has embraced progressive policies. He has embraced AOC. AOC, who got her 90 seconds at the Democratic National Convention only because Bernie Sanders invited her to second his nomination. The rest of the, the, the centrist Democrats, the, the establishment Democrats, they don't get it. Ed Markey got it, and Ed Markey won against a Kennedy. A Kennedy was defeated for the first time in Massachusetts. So I think that is really, really important for the future of the, of the Democratic Party and understanding how to truly win as a Democrat. We, uh, we've spent a lot of time talking about polls and politics and politicians. Let's talk about everyone's favorite topic, shall we? <laughs> it's time to talk about Russia. Russia's hacking again, or are they? Let's see. Let's see what's happening. It's 2016 all over again. Do you remember when Vermont was like taken down, like the grid was taken down by Russians, except it never was, and that was a lie? Hmm. Something similar just happened in Michigan. They, they don't even have, like, they can't even get a new playbook, these people. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. Like, obviously, I don't want uh, Donald Trump to win, but this Russia, Russia, Russia stuff, it at least has to be factual. I 100% believe that Russia does try to um, hack our democracy. Like, I believe fully that Russia wants to screw with us and does all the time. There's a very, very long and sordid history of Russia doing exactly that. There's also a long and sordid history of us doing that with other people's elections. I'm actually reading a book about that right now on like political warfare and disinformation and, and stuff like that. And it's, you know, it's a back and forth. It's, it's just what countries do uh, that are that are in these positions of power and want to maintain that power or grow that power. So let's, let's dive into this story. I think you guys will, you'll get a real kick out of this one. Okay, so this was uh, yesterday. Julia Yaffe, uh, who is definitely a Russiagate journalist. So she tweeted this. You can see it has 12,000, almost 13,000 retweets. 
Um, and she put out the three three alarm three alarm fire here. Russian journalists have discovered data from Michigan voter data rolls, including the personal info of 7.6 million Michigan voters on a Russian hackers platform. It also includes voter info from other swing states, including Florida and North Carolina. So I saw this, and even as someone who is really cautious when it comes to Russia Gate and like blaming every little thing on Russia. Um, I, I was alarmed. I was like, oh my gosh, that's not good. You know, that's not good at all. Let me look into this some more. So the original article was, was all in Russian. So I, I kept digging and, and trying to see like, what's really going on here? Did, did Russia really, really do this? I, that skepticism was of course there because there were so many lies about Russia, Russian interference um, from 2016 and continuing on today. And then the story kind of continued. So Julia Ayafi continued to report the hilarious and extremely Russian part of this is that these hackers were apparently using this data to get that reward money that the State Department was offering for information on election interference. She continues, one hacker wrote in the dark web forum that they managed to get $4,000 from the State Department. Um, and B, which I don't know what that means, she says, as some people have correctly pointed out, this is publicly available information. A lot of it has been floating around for a while. It's just unclear what these hackers are using it for, other than scamming the State Department. So there she, she starts to walk it back. But you go from almost 13,000 retweets to oh, almost 700 retweets. Then she gets, she has a response from the Michigan Department of State. Update. Michigan responds to the Commerçant story, says they were not hacked, and the info is publicly available. And of course, this gets 500 retweets. So what Michigan said is public voter information in Michigan and elsewhere is accessible to anyone through a FOIA request. Our system was not hacked. We encourage all Michigan voters to be wary of attempts to hack their minds. However, by questioning the sources of information and advertisements they encounter and seeking out trusted sources, including their local election clerk and our office. So if you go from Russian journalists have discovered data from Michigan voter data rolls, including the personal information of 7.6 million Michigan voters on a Russian hackers platform, it includes voter info from other swing states including Florida and North Carolina. That's enough to make anyone scared. Oh, but then Michigan says they were not hacked and the info is publicly available. What country do we live in? How can something like that be reported and then pulled back so casually? You know, it's, it's, yes, Russia is, Russia's, Putin's bad. Putin's terrible. Putin's a murderer. Yes. Yes, absolutely. They screw, they put out disinformation. They screw with stuff. They're, they're bad. Yes, we got it. But in lying, what, what do we gain? All we do is, is stoke the fear that, that Russia is taking over our country. All we do is, um, is make people kind of looking over their shoulder all the time, which maybe we should be, but we should be for reasons that are true. There's enough bad going on without making stuff up. 
without taking something like this and turning it into something it's not. Obviously, people who are for Putin are really scared about swing states. So the fact that Julia Ioffe wrote about swing states there, that was purposeful. These people are purposeful. These Russia gators are putting out disinformation to other Americans on purpose. They want to make people scared. They want that disinformation out there because they think it will get them more votes. Some of these people believe themselves. Others do not believe themselves. A lot of Russia gators have made a lot of money, though, in stoking fear among Americans. So I, I wanted to point this out because I think it's really, really important to be on the lookout for stuff like this. Like, even if you see a trusted journalist, even if you see a blue check on Twitter talking about something like this or, or talking about anything, keep looking, keep digging. If you're really alarmed by something, find a second or third source, find more information, look at it from all angles, wait for more info to come out. Because what often happens is, is exactly what I just showed you. So uh, really, really uh, just bad, bad, bad information from, from that specific reporter that, that really, really uh, took off.